The MarTech Podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything Podcast Network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. From advertising to software as a service to data. Across all of our programs and clients, we've seen a 55 to 65% open rate. Getting brands authentically integrated into content performs better than TV advertising. Typical lifespan of an article is about 24 to 36 hours. If we're reaching out to the right person with the right message and a clear call to action, then it's just a matter of timing. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear the stories of world-class marketers that use technology to drive business results and achieve career success. We'll unearth the real-world experiences of some of the brightest minds in the marketing and technology space so you can learn the tools, tips, and tricks they've learned along the way. Now here's the host of the MarTech Podcast, Benjamin Shapiro. Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Shapiro, and today we're going to discuss the principles of effective marketing according to Hawk Media. Joining us is Eric Huberman, who is the CEO of Hawk Media, which is an agency that serves as your outsourced CMO, and Hawk is shifting the marketing paradigm by putting client success ahead of their own. And today, Eric and I are going to talk about the Hawk method of marketing. All right, here's the first part of my conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Eric Huberman, the CEO of Hawk Media. Eric, welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Thank you for having me back. Congratulations are in order, my friend. All right. Rumor has it you have been busy. You have launched a successful agency. We all know about that one. You've been around town for a while, but you wrote a book. You're having a baby. You launched a software. Is there anything you can't do? I just got my pilot's license and now I'm working on my captain's license. So I'm trying to check off the list that there isn't, but I'm not there yet. You see Top Gun yet? The second one? I haven't. You can't make time for the greatest movie in the world. Well, no, it's not that. It's my wife being this pregnant. We really don't want her to get COVID because then you don't get to be in the normal delivery room. So not because of any other paranoia other than that. It's like, maybe you shouldn't sit in a movie theater and the assholes want to put it on streaming. So waiting for it to be on streaming. And I have a great sound system at home that I'm looking forward to watching it on. We found something you can't do. You can't get COVID right now. Right, exactly. <laughs> but a man of many talents. We're big fans here at the MarTech Podcast. Always great to have you back on the show. Let's talk a little bit about the book. Yeah. The Hawk Method of Marketing. How'd you come up with the name? I know you're being facetious, but at the same time, we did actually wrestle with it because I had help with marketing the book and everything. And they all thought that it should be just called like the three principles of marketing or something very self-explanatory. And I was adamant that I wanted it to align with our brand, that I wanted it like I was going to drive it to be a bestseller. And the idea of having our logo and our name on bookshelves all over the world, on people's bookshelves, in the airports, etc., drove so much great brand awareness that I wanted that benefit, even if it detracted from being just a straightforward titled book like a lot of other marketing books are. Let's talk a little bit about the marketing strategy for a book. Talk to me about why you decided to basically put the playbook down on paper. It started pretty innocently. It was just I was at a party, met this guy that ran a book marketing firm. And he's like, have you thought about writing a book? Funny enough, I had written a book and shelved it because I didn't like how it turned out. So I never published it. That was on doing business without being greedy. 
like more altruistic business practices. And I was like, I'm also not the guy that should be preaching about this right now, just because like, who am I? I'm not some celebrity preaching like that's some billionaire that's like, this is how you do it right. Like I was just getting started in business. I'm trying to tell everyone else how to do it ethically. Just didn't feel like it was coming from the right place. So with this, I was like, yeah, I feel confident that I can write a marketing book. And I know a lot more about marketing than most people. So when he talked to me about it, the content was done, not from a written standpoint, but I've spent the past decade talking to people on how I think about marketing, how we do marketing. It's what my business does. So he asked me if I'd want to do one. And I was like, maybe this would be good. Like I've given the same talk a 100 times in terms of like I was doing a lot of public speaking around how I look at the general principles of marketing. And I defined this sort of marketing tripod of awareness, nurturing and trust. And I'd already been talking about it a lot. So then I went home and wrote an outline for the book of what the general categories would be, how I would put it together. And then frankly, he told me, you know, you can dictate and it's about a half hour per chapter. We'll give you a good sized chapter. Let's get on. And we did eight hours of recording. I could speak right off the cuff about all this stuff and very easily because it's all stuff I do every day. Then he actually shipped it out, had it transcribed by someone. Then we brought it back. We both edited it and we had a first draft of the book. And it was actually really easy to get there because the content was all in my head already. It was just putting it on paper, which we did in a very efficient way. Okay, so I understand the process for creating the book, the rationale. Hey, I'm saying this stuff publicly. What's the point? So what it ended up becoming was there's a few different masters it served. So the main rationale originally was if I can have a best-selling book about marketing, it's going to give all the credibility in the world to what we do. I was like, if I can actually get this out there and make it a bestseller, that will be huge. And we did that. Turns out, not that impactful. Compared to all the other credibility we have, it's just another checkbox. It was a bestseller and we got that, but it's just like, yeah, cool, okay. It never goes away though. It has some value over time. I agree with you, but it's not like all of a sudden my phone's ringing off. Like I actually asked in the process, hey, when a book gets on a bestselling list, do you see a jump in sales? The answer is no. People that read those lists don't go out and buy those books. Kind of interesting. Like New York Times bestselling book list doesn't actually drive that many book sales. Mm -hmm. It's really just an ego play or a credibility play. So got that, check that box. And then realized the most valuable thing about this book has been sending it to our clients and our employees so they speak the same language. What it does, it's like my favorite review came in the first day and the guy deleted it because I think he heard me talking about it. <laughs> but he's like, I don't get it. It was literally one star. I don't get it. It's basically just modern marketing 101. I was like, yep, <laughs> you got it, actually. That's exactly what it's supposed to be. And I think some people pick it up and think there's going to be some crazy silver bullet on how to do marketing. And really what it is, is modern marketing run around. And 99% of marketers miss things in that book that really hurt their marketing strategy. And so now we've created sort of our own vernacular, our own way of talking about marketing, our own way of thinking about it that we can share with our clients and our employees so that we all speak the same language. Because frankly, the biggest challenge in our business is a miscommunication. It's not an execution. It's not another stuff. Like we're good marketers. It's really just making sure that we're on the same page with our clients is the hardest part. So we ship it to every client and every employee when they join the company. And a lot of them read it. Now there's an audible version of it and all that. And so that combined with continuing to just get the brand name out there has been a big driver of it. Every author that I've interviewed on this podcast has always said nobody writes a book to make money. So there always has to be some sort of, I don't want to say ulterior motive. It sounds like your first book was your Jerry Maguire manifesto. You decided to not publish it and then went back here and said, all right, now that I've learned some things and I have some credibility, I'm going to use this as another credibility builder. Talk to me about the distribution piece before we get into what's in the book. How did you end up becoming a bestseller? So the marketing strategy of the book, we fired on all cylinders. So I'd say the biggest driver of it was probably getting a lot of our partners and people that were in the book and people that respected what we do and are good partners talk media to go buy bulk 
amounts of books because you can do about half your sales and bestseller in bulk. And then it was tapping every influencer we had. We sent out, I think it was 250 gift boxes with a book for people to share. And so we had all sorts of celebrities sharing the book on their Instagrams and on their social media in general. We did Amazon advertising. We pre-sold a ton of books just by running Facebook ads and about PR. We're also on a bunch of major book lists, like top 10 books of the year by Forbes and all this stuff. So there was a whole PR component. And then I was on the Adam Carolla show. I was on Drew Barrymore's TV show. So like I did a media tour as well, leading up to the book launch. And all of it together got us over the line to get a bestseller. And we got USA Today bestseller. We didn't get New York Times or Wall Street Journal, I believe, because I think one of my book consultants actually screwed up the categorization of the book. And we were not listed in a category that was eligible. Uh, well, maybe we could fix that after your guest appearance here on the MarTech podcast. Talk to me a little bit about the subject matter, Marketing 101, according to Eric Huberman. What is the Hawk method of marketing? Well, yeah, I'd say Modern Marketing 101, because I don't know that it does apply to like how digital works and things like that. But basically, the general theme, as I've alluded to, is the three principles of marketing, awareness, nurturing, and trust. Awareness being how do you introduce your brand, your product, your service to a new potential customer? And I say potential, not actual customer, someone that just you're introducing it to a new person. So how do you create awareness? And it's things like advertising, PR, word of mouth, all the ways you just are getting out there. And that's what most people think of as marketing. The issue is these days, people have forgotten the idea of what's called a sales cycle or a purchase cycle. In sales, you get it. it you don't talk to someone and close them on the first call generally. I'm talking about averages, of course. Mm -hmm. Exceptions happen. But same thing in marketing. It's not like most people click an ad and buy the thing right away. But that's how people think it works. So nurturing is the period between when you create awareness that you exist to someone and that the actual way you buy. So what do you do during that period? And in e-commerce specifically, because we have all this data, the average sales cycle is between three weeks and three months, depending on your average order value and some other things. So if you're not doing things during that three weeks to three months, they just forget about you. So you lose a lot of conversions is how the numbers work out. So the idea is to do things during that period from when they first come to you to when they actually buy to accelerate that sales cycle and make it faster, as well as increase conversion rates. So it's things like email marketing, SMS, content, chatbots, your web design obviously plays a part in this, all the different ways you're driving conversion over time. So the biggest thing people miss right now in marketing period is purchase cycle, even measuring that and how they're measuring their ROI. That is why I would say that is the number one reason why Facebook is struggling right now, is that people don't understand that, nor does Facebook. So the Facebook reporting is so broken, it's telling everyone that their ads are performing worse than they actually are by a long shot. A special thanks to our presenting sponsor, Mutinex, ready to take your team from I think to I know. Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. Well, the advertising landscape has changed since then. And instead of reaching your audience on two channels, you're probably reaching them on 20. Turns out John didn't know how easy he had it. But that doesn't mean that you should give up on striving towards marketing effectiveness. No matter how complex your marketing strategy is, Mutinex Growth OX is the market mix modeling platform that measures the impact of marketing on your bottom line. 
Mutinex's market mix modeling platform calibrates your insights against the latest market conditions so you can make media and marketing investment decisions confidently and quickly. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, your best decision starts here. To learn more about Mutinex, go to mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. Okay, here's the rest of today's interview. Okay, so the idea of introducing yourself, building awareness, nurturing, there's a couple of different components there. And you mentioned trust being the last. One thing that's a little surprising to me, you've got a tripod, not a four-legged stool. You, You didn't mention anything about conversion rate optimization. You said your web design matters, but what about the sales component? What about how do I get you over the finish line? That's all nurturing. That is the conversion rate optimization side of it. That's what you're doing with email. That's what I meant by whether it's email, SMS, site development, et cetera. These are all things that are helping drive your conversion rate. Now, you've been thinking about this sort of tripod for a while. You wrote the book about it. Have you seen that the channels that people are using over time changing and having putting everything on paper? Obviously, you can't go back and edit everybody's books in real time. How do you think about the changing of marketing channels when it relates to your method? Yeah, I think we'll probably do a second edition in the next couple of years. Thankfully, and this is actually a good topic, but marketing doesn't change as fast as people think it is. Like the two best channels to market a new product or service online for the past decade are Google and Facebook. Are there nuances to how those platforms have changed? Yes. Are there other available platforms that are slightly competitive? Sure. But right now, and I do think there will be a point where TikTok becomes even more prominent. They just need some time to build out their ad platform. But nothing has shifted enough that this isn't as accurate as it was when I wrote it two years ago. In fact, we have an initiative that we started at the beginning of the year to really stop measuring return on ad spend. That number is just broken by nature. And we know that from a marketing principle standpoint. And in that book, two years ago, I wrote ROAS is bullshit. And now we're implementing it as a company, et cetera. And we're seeing other people realize that. And that's what I was alluding to with Facebook being broken. Like they're reporting on this metric that is a bullshit metric. So sadly, Facebook, they're not taking more credit for what they're doing. They're taking less credit. So all these companies think their Facebook ads are completely shit where they're actually not. So again, understanding the modern marketing 101 allows you to understand this stuff. I had a conversation with Chris Walker, the CEO of Refine Labs. They do B2B revenue operations and growth marketing. And he's got a kind of controversial take that I think is akin to what you're talking about. He's saying that we all think about the last conversion. We think about the last metric. But my Facebook ads are working because somebody clicked on them and then bought something. But if you sat down and you surveyed all of your customers, what you'd find is if you ask them what drove you to buy your product or service, it's something that's in the middle of your funnel. It's I listened to that podcast. It's I read this content. It's somebody else told me about it. And then as I was going to make the decision, Facebook ads just popped up in front of me. As you're thinking about the value of your performance marketing and how it relates to building awareness, nurturing, building trust, how are you measuring what is a last click conversion as opposed to thinking about what really drives value in the marketing cycle? I don't like managing to last quick attribution. I like multi-touch attribution and looking at what was the full customer journey that took them to a sale. And the part that I don't like about that whole side of marketing is people think that then you try to subscribe, 
some sort of percentage to each channel of like, well, it was 30% content and 20% Facebook. And the answer is it's actually 100% all of it is what it took for that person to make a purchase and understanding that it took that piece of content and that Facebook ad and that search ad and that email to sell someone is really important data. And that's what I like to look at is what are all the touch points people generally click or generally engage with? before they make a purchase. And what you find is a lot of times you need a diversity of connections and contact with that customer to convert them. If you just hit them with Facebook ads only, it's not a pattern interrupt. It doesn't change how they're thinking. But when you hit them with some content and this and that, that's when they start to go, oh, I should talk to this brand. Now, a large portion of your portfolio are e-commerce brands. And so I understand why you're saying, well, look, Facebook and AdWords, those are the easiest way to drive e-commerce transactions. And I'm curious to hear if you think on the B2B side, is that difference? Do you think that influencer marketing content, you know, that sort of middle of funnel awareness generating events may be coming back? We've all gone through a million webinars. Are those things that are driving more value now than just your traditional performance marketing, put some ads in front of you and hope you get into the sales cycle? There's kind of two questions there, which is just what works for e-commerce work for B2B, which the answer is yes. And I think the easy explanation of that is the same people buying your shoes are the same people buying this B2B services. It's a person. You're catching them where they're engaging. You're catching them at a time. Like what's great about Facebook or Instagram is they're telling you they're bored. And they also a lot of times tell you what their position is at their company. So if you need to target heads of marketing at companies, they probably have it on their Facebook page and you can target them. There's a lot of strength in that platform because of the context in which they're receiving the advertisement. Again, when you don't have sort of a background in education around these platforms, for years, people are like, well, isn't LinkedIn better for B2B advertising? Why? Because LinkedIn by nature is B2B? No, is the answer. No, not the way it used to be. Now, LinkedIn's getting better on their advertising, but for a long time, no one's going to click ads. That wasn't how LinkedIn was used. People were using it for communicating one-on-one and talking to people. The newsfeed had no usage for years, and there wasn't really a newsfeed prior to that either. So now that they've kind of replicated how Facebook works, it started to work a little better. But you have to really understand that you're not marketing to a business as a B2B company. You're marketing to an individual at that business. And when you think of it that way, it's very similar to B2C marketing. That individual, like how you sell them, et cetera, is different. But the channels are similar. All right. And there was a second question that I asked you within that first one. You want to answer the second question as well? Yeah. So when it comes to like the marketing mix, whether you're going to incorporate just advertising or influencer content, et cetera, my view is you test and try it all. Like I do believe that in B2B marketing, influencer plays a big part. Content's big in both, but I don't think anyone debates that. I think content's huge for B2B and B2C marketing. Influencer, if you can get B2B influencers, and the way you would do that is who are the thought leaders in your space? I was talking to a fintech platform recently. They got Jamie Dimon to promote their product. One of the biggest names in financial world talks about a fintech platform, like probably going to go pretty well. That's influencer marketing. The difference is it's a little harder to get business influencers to promote things because they have plenty of money. They don't need your endorsement deal. But from a marketing standpoint, it's the same thing. So we've done that too. We talked about the book launch. We got a bunch of business people and marketing people to talk about the book because if they're giving it credibility, which is what the biggest driver of influencer is, their audience is probably the audience we want to reach. And they're giving us third-party validation, which goes to the trust part of the three pillars of marketing. Eric, give me one hidden gem. Give me one practical tip that's in the book that hopefully will get some people to say, you know what, I have to go read this book now. Again, it's about just general best practices. And I would go back to what I've alluded to a little bit here, which is like ROAS is bullshit. So when you're measuring return on ad spend, make sure incorporating purchase cycle and lifetime value of that customer. Because when you're talking about a first purchase and you're talking about an immediate ad spend and not taking that timeline or a longer timeline into account, you end up cutting off your nose to spite your face. 
And I think I forgot the number, but the average agency this year is the digital agency is severely down. The average e-commerce company on Shopify is down like 10 to 20 percent. They're all declining. A lot of it is self-inflicted because they're not reading their marketing right. And they're pulling back on all their ad spends and not realizing that it's literally just misreporting. It's not actually a problem. So getting those numbers right. And it talks about that in the book. I've said this multiple times. Great marketing takes time. It takes time to cultivate a channel. It takes time to build a relationship with the prospect. It's not something that happens overnight. And that's something you could read about in The Hawk Method by Eric Huberman. And that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Eric Huberman, the CEO of Hawk Media. Join us again tomorrow when Eric and I continue our conversation talking about automating marketing strategy with Hawk AI. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Eric, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter where his handle is Eric Huberman. That's E-R-I-K-H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. Or you can visit his company's website, which is hawkmedia.com, H-A-W-K-E media.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while you were listening to this podcast, head over to martechpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can even send us your topic suggestions or your marketing questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is martechpod, M-A-R-T-E-C-H-P-O-D on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, or you can contact me directly. My handle is benjshap, B-E-N-J-S-H-A-P. And if you haven't subscribed yet and you want a daily stream of marketing and technology knowledge in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day this year. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow morning. All right, that's it for today. But until next time, my advice is to just focus on keeping your customers happy. Thanks for listening to the MarTech Podcast, and I hear everything production. Looking to launch or scale a podcast like this one for your brand? Then visit IHearEverything.com.